Triple G and the rest, like an overhand right from Crusher Kovalev. The tale of the tape on TheBoxingRant.com. It's the pound for pound, undisputed kings. It's the tale of the tape, time to enter the ring. The tale of the tape on TheBoxingRant.com. Welcome back to the tale of the tape. What up, what up, fight fans? Welcome back to a brand new episode of the Tale of the Tape Boxing Podcast. I'm your host, Kenny Keith of TheBoxingRant.com, and back with me for episode 44, Vince Cummings. What up, Vin? What's going on, buddy? Not much, man. We had a busy, action-packed evening of fights, and believe it or not, it was on Showtime. Wow. Showtime returns for their first evening of championship boxing since Berman Stavern lost his WBC heavyweight belt to Deontay Wilder, and they kicked off the evening from Sheffield, England. As the pride of Sheffield, the one they call the special one. Special K, Kel Brook, squared off against Jojo Dan to defend his IBF welterweight crown. First thoughts of this evening in Sheffield, Ben? The crowd looked to be electric, but you know I was a little disappointed. Showtime decided to let Pauli Malignaggi and everybody talk over Kel Brook's entrance. Yeah, I mean, that was ridiculous, they man. Su- dude, they sucked the life out of that entrance. It was terrible. It, it was awful. And I don't know if they were even paying attention to their monitors. You know, leading into that, into the ring walks, I noticed that they were trying to fill dead space. Like, the timing wasn't lined up, I guess, when they were done with their opening monologues. Right. So then they just went on and on and on and on. Uh, yeah, I was like, ow, Pauly. Can we repeat the machete attack one more time? That Dude, that just brings it up right there. Before we even get to this, did you – realized that he actually, that Kelbrook actually didn't get attacked by a person. He was attacked by a machete. Yeah, yeah, I noticed that. <laughs> I said the same thing. I'm like, a machete didn't attack him. A freaking person did. That's what Amy said. She goes, will you please say something about that on your show? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was like, it's like saying he was shot by a gun. Right. Nah. Ridiculous, man. Really? He was shot by a gun? <laughs> Wasn't a lawn dart? <laughs> yeah, that totally sucked the life out of the... Uh, out of the opening for sure. But on the bright side of things, we got the Sky Sports team calling the fight. Yeah, that was nice. Yeah, um, it was nice to hear Jim Watton and uh, and Nick Halling for sure. So, the fight. This thing kicks off, and JoJo Dan looked tentative. Yeah. Tentative. Very jumpy, herky-jerky, yeah. Kel Brook was as cool as the other side of the pillow. Does that dude have, like, the most sturdy base in boxing? He, he looks does, like a freaking boulder standing there man yeah, he does he stands and like you said it in the last episode he has such a classic orthodox stance yeah he literally looks like one of those old those old shots from like the 20s and you see a guy and he's got he's got his dukes up in front right. of his face you know yep. standing upright chin tucked yeah he's got a great stance i'll tell you what you ever seen a guy that has as lethal a straight right other than kovalev than kel brook no he he is pinpoint with that thing he times it beautifully and just stops guys in their tracks with it. It really is amazing. Kovalev utilizes it in, in many ways. You know what I mean? Right. He uses it to keep his opponent off of him. He uses it to do body work early in the fights, you know, and he uses it as a as an eraser, mm-hmm. right? Kel Brooks is, is just deadly. Yes, I mean, it, it is. really is. It, it is his strongest weapon for sure. He showed me in this fight, Vin, that he is one of the most accurate punchers in and around the 147-pound division. For sure. And on top of that, the poise that he shows in the ring, it, it looks effortless what he's doing in the ring. Just seems like he is not even trying. It seems like he doesn't even throw his punches very hard. But for whatever reason, boy, them things are heavy. Yeah, I thought the fight was over in the second round. Yeah, I did too. I really did. And then we go into the fourth round, which is very similar to the second round. And when the bell rang and Dan went and sat on his bench, I was like, please get up just for like five seconds so my prediction will be right on. The... And sure enough, I think they should change the rule that if they finish the fourth round and they go to the stools and he quits on his stool, it should be a fifth round knockout. They, they ought to. You're right. You're right. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, close enough. 
a fourth round TKO by the special one, Kell Brook. What do you see moving forward for him? He flat out stood in the center of the ring. Eddie Hearn grabs the mic, and there were no beating around the bush. No. They flat out called out Amir Khan in the middle of the ring. They even said the date. <laughs> yeah, I, I think he placed himself solidly as the in the top four of the welterweight division. Maybe number three, maybe even put him ahead of Thurman right now. I would put him ahead of Thurman. I think he is a more refined fighter. Yeah, definitely. I think Thurman's still a little rough around the edges. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And I think hey, he's going to get a big fight coming up here soon. Now, whether it's going to be Khan, you would think that they're, I mean, there's too much money to be made in that fight. There's no reason to wait. Let's do it now. Why, why, why wait? Amir Khan could lose any fight. We've all, we've seen it happen. So you might as well sign that thing up and let's do it. Amir Khan's put him in a, he's put himself in a position where he, he can't turn this fight down because he has done nothing but run his mouth since the Devin Alexander win. He has called out everybody that can get him a legitimate payday. And let's, let's be honest. Mayweather and Pacquiao aren't fighting again until September. No. Okay? After May 2nd, they're not fighting again until September. And we know that Khan is not available for that date, right? Yep. So it's not happening for either of them. Not, not, there's, there's a 0% chance that a fight happens before September for both fighters. Floyd will be back in September. Manny will be back in November. And that's the way it goes, yeah. man. So by running his mouth and calling out the best, saying he wants to fight the best, he has two choices, and that's it. There's nobody else he can fight, all right? Maybe the Broner fight, maybe. Yeah. Okay, maybe. I think he would destroy Broner. Yeah, I don't I don't like that fight for Broner at all. No, I, I, I don't either, but Broner has been calling him out. But there are only two fights. Right. And he has to take Cotto, or he's got to take Brook. And he, if he doesn't take one of these two fights, then I, I'm not sure what he's doing. I don't think they're going to just throw him in the ring in his first PBC fight against Keith Thurman, are they? No, they don't want to do that. They got to save that fight, right? Yeah, yeah that. Be- because look, Khan loses to Brook. That uh, Thurman fight's still big. It's still big, but I, I also think that's a serious. I mean, that that pretty much puts the brakes on Khan's career big time. A fourth loss against the top of the division fighter that that's not going to look good on him. This is where Khan's at. Yeah, he's painted himself in a corner. Who else is he going to fight? He's got no choices. If he didn't run his mouth and saying that I'm the best, he thinks he's the best. He thinks he's the best. He said he's the best. So if he goes in the ring and squares off with a bum, then people are just going to be like, who is this guy? Right. You can't be the best if Danny Garcia knocked you out, buddy. Uh, I got news for you. I think the educated boxing public realizes that anyways. Right. I don't think anybody's giving Amir Khan any more credit than he deserves. You and I have been huge pundits of Amir Khan. Oh, I'm very critical of him. And you know what? But he's done it to himself. Yeah. He boxes in a style and he talks in a style, you know? It's La La Land. Yeah, he is, for sure. I think that Amir Khan is the best version of himself he's ever been. I think this relationship with Virgil Hunter is a match made in heaven. I'll give him credit where where, where credit is due. Mm-hmm. Kell Brook versus Amir Khan this summer. That's the fight. He, he, yeah, he's got to make it. And like you said, where else are you going to go? The money's there. Everybody wants to see it. It's been brewing for about a year now. Yep. Talks of it. Let, let's get it. Let's get it on, man. Come on. One hundred and forty-seven pounds. I'll give you my top five. Go right? for it. Floyd, Manny, Brooke, Thurman, Khan, in that order. I would have to agree one hundred percent. After that, the next five guys are all the same. Yeah. You yeah. Know? That top five separates themselves from the, from the rest of the division for sure. The thing is that bottom that bottom five is still legit. Yeah. You know, those are great fi- fights for any of those guys. I want to see Kell Brook now moving forward. You know he's not going to – there's no chance in hell that Floyd Mayweather fights Kell Brook. No, he can't. I mean, that that's just a fight that's unnecessary for him. It's a risk that he doesn't need to take. And I really honestly think – I think pacquiao Brook would be just – I think it would be a great fight. I think you could put on a big event in England, mm-hmm. huge payday for both guys. I could definitely see a pacquiao Brook fight. It would visually – look very similar to Margarita versus Pacquiao yeah. with a giant versus a little guy in the yeah. ring. But, you know, th- these are all pipe dreams. Fact of the matter is, Khan, Brook are match made in heaven. A clash of styles that would just make for an amazing fight. Because you see it right now, right? Amir Khan shooting in, trying to be bap, 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 and get out, and Brook trying to snipe him all night long. That's exactly how that fight would go. Well, you know Brook's going to stand his ground. He's not going to back up. No. So, yeah, that's a very interesting fight, man. 
But uh, Adrian Broner and the PBC have given Khan a backout plan. They really have, because yeah. if you think about it, ah, I'm going to fight Broner because it's a big fight. I'm not ready for the Brook fight yet. I can take this fight against Broner, which I have a better chance of winning. And right. he knows that. I don't think Khan's an idiot. Yeah. All right. Kel Brook. That's good stuff. I could talk about that all night. Those are the kind of fights we want to talk about. Kel Brook dispatches of JoJo Dan, who just seemed to be outclassed. Yeah. I think we gave him a little bit too much credit coming into the fight, even though we both picked early knockouts anyways. Right. JoJo Dan was just no match. Yeah, for... you, you could see right away. It was the, the skill level was just vastly different. So one more thing I want to talk about as it pertains to this Showtime International Boxing. They introduced the show saying that this is going to be a new series. Mm-hmm. What do you think about that? I, I'm loving it, man. I am absolutely loving it. I'm tired of those of streaming fights and picking up viruses on my damn computer and having to run around and get four different streams. And It's a pain in the ass, man. I'm so happy that they are doing this. The logical thing, the logical move for them for their next card would be May 30th. Gradovich versus Selby and Mitchell versus Linares with Anthony Joshua on the undercard. To me, that is the next fight for them. Yeah. For Showtime International Boxing. It's exposure for Anthony Joshua. If I'm Eddie Hearn, I'm thinking, let's keep this thing going. Yep. And this will bring Anthony Joshua to the U.S. boxing fan masses. I can guarantee you right now, there's a lot of people that are big fans of this sport that don't really know much about Anthony Joshua that will fall in love with. They'll fall in love with the style of Kevin Mitchell. Oh, yeah. Kevin Mitchell's as exciting as they come. There's a lot more rugged, tough fighters from England, it seems like that. You would think if, when the American public got a look at them, they would be like, oh, wow, that's how they fight over. These guys are actual fighters. <laughs> yeah, they don't shuck and jive no. and skate around the outside of the right. ring. I'm excited about it, too. I, I was curious leading into the broadcast if, if this was going to be a series or it was just a one-time thing that they were slapping this label on it to make it sound like a you know something that they always do. Uh, kudos to them for going to the, the Sky Sports broadcast and not doing it like HBO tends to do sometimes and call the fight from a different location with no feel of what's going on in the arena. That, I'm so glad that they decided to do that and not have Bernstein, Ronaldo, and, and Malinaji calling from Las Vegas. Yeah, I'll tell you what, man. That... Frotch Groves 2 fight that they called from America, that was one of the worst calls I've ever heard. They yeah. had no idea what was going on. Uh-huh. You have a fight in a stadium in front of 80,000 people, and you're going to have three guys call it from a different country? Yeah, complete joke. It is a complete joke. The fact remains, they're there already doing a show. They're getting paid for that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. It's like you're buying the right. If you're buying this feed, buy the whole package. Right. You know, it does. It adds ambiance to it, and it makes it feel like an international match. Exactly. These relationships are important. We did hear about these meetings that had had taken place a few months ago between Eddie Hearn and American boxing promoters. They they want to cross, you know, they want to cross wires. And if Bob Arum's too stubborn to do it as a regular thing, guess what? He's going to die that way. Yeah, he's on and his Showtime's going to take. They're going to take the torch and run with it. Yeah, he's on. Bob Arum's on his way out the door here eventually. So he's the old guard. Real quick, I wanted to get to this a little bit later, but while we're talking about this, because it's, it's on this point. So in response to this whole PBC going to uh, free TV, we heard that top rank, Bob Arum, they were going to counter this, that they were going to, okay, yeah, you know, we're going to go to our outlets that our company owns a subsidiary on regular cable television, and we're going to put on big fights too. What do they do? They make the announcement that they're going to go on True TV. Okay, cool. True TV. We know True TV from the NCAA basketball tournament, Mm -hmm. right? Cool. I get True TV. I'm down. Put on some good fights. What do they do? They put on the very first card is Ray Beltran versus an unknown as the main event with an unknown undercard. Then two weeks later, I think it's on the first one's on May 1st, and then the, uh, the second one's on May 15th. The headliner's Jose Benavides. Yeah, I mean, if, if you're top rank or golden boy right now, you do kind of probably get the feeling in those camps that they feel like they're falling behind Al Heyman and, and the race to, to put on all these big fights. Basically, a half a year is set for the PBC and these, uh, these other promotional companies. they kind of trying to figure out where to go, where to find fighters to put on fights. The problem is top rank is so top-heavy. Yeah. You know, their money is so invested in stars because their formula – is to produce cable television stars. So they got 20 guys that are all champions. Right. You know, they're all 
pound for pound guys, top five guys in their respective weight divisions, but they don't have anybody else. And these lower level prospects that they do have, nobody knows because the fights aren't televised on, on these cable bouts. I give Oscar De La Hoya a lot of credit for this LA fight club thing, which we'll talk about in a little while, but I just wanted to talk about it. So this is your counter. Bob Arum doesn't get it. No, I I don't think he gets it at all. Mm -mm. I think he's just like, eh, you know what? Whatever. I don't need to do what these guys are doing. I'm Bob Arum. I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing and take my greedy ways to the grave. And what he does is a half-ass effort and puts these fight cards on true TV that nobody's going to give a rat's ass about. No, ain't nobody caring about Ray Beltran against who cares. Yeah, and Jose Benavidez is a prospect. Yeah. Mm. Look, it's fine. You want to get these guys exposure, but don't tell me that you're going to put on, oh, we're going to do the same thing. We're going to put on championship. No, he's not. They get paid by HBO. Why are they going to put Terrence Crawford on True TV? They, they don't need to. Exactly. <laughs> They're not going to. I don't know. I think it's I think it's half-hearted. Yeah, it is, definitely. All right. So let's move to Las Vegas, to the Palms Casino. Johnny Gonzalez defends his WBC featherweight belt against Gary Russell Jr. Gary Russell Jr., we talked about it in the preview show, came off of a defeat against arguably boxing's best fighter. Mm-hmm. Okay, all around, all right, yeah, Floyd, the mantle, whatever, undefeated, the best ever. His circle can think that. Yes. In my opinion, and I don't think I'm far-fetched in saying this, I said this last night, I will continue to say this. In my opinion, Vasily Lomachenko is the best boxer on the planet. He's the best pure boxer we've seen in a decade. Okay. So, with that said, he dismantled Gary Russell. I watched that fight after this Gonzalez fight last night. I Mm -hmm. put it on. I wanted to watch it again and see the differences. Gary Russell has been saying ever since the loss that he dehydrated himself to make weight. He fought in the same weight class last night. He didn't look dehydrated to no, me. No, he looked, he looked swole. Yeah. Okay, he looked the same as he did against Vasil Lomachenko. Fact remains is Gary Russell Jr. got beat by a white dude and got schooled by him. Yep. That's, hard. That's a tough pill to swallow. Uh, Out-athleted out by a white guy, too. Yeah, absolutely. Let's be real. Yeah. Okay? That's what happened. That doesn't take away from the fact that Gary Russell Jr. is one of the most well-equipped fighters on the planet. He's a skill set that it's a once-in-a-generation type skill set. You can't teach hand speed, and he's got some of the best in boxing. This fight coming into it, we talked about it when it was announced. I said it on my PBC special on the boxing rant. I've been talking about this ever since we started seeing these decisions made by the WBC and the PBC, which looked rather curious. It seemed that they were making a concerted effort to try to consolidate green belts Mm -hmm. to the PBC, right? How do they do this? I don't think non-PBC fighters are going to be fighting on the PBC that often. Well, they have Showtime, Mm -hmm. okay? So Showtime Championship Boxing is the perfect place to invite outsiders in and take their goods, (laughs) right? To fleece them. True. We said from the very beginning that the time that this was announced, and we have said it about the Andy Lee-Peter Quillen fight. These are mismatches that are hand-picked opponents in an attempt to win fights either on the scorecards by using athleticism and flashiness, or in this case, this was Miguel Cotto versus Sergio Martinez all over again. Johnny Gonzalez had no legs. He was a shot fighter. You just didn't expect to see that from Johnny Gonzalez. There's nothing that before this fight that led us to believe he was anywhere near that. I'm just so shocked that it seemed like it happened overnight. Johnny Gonzalez went from a stud in his prime to just a guy that, like you said, his legs were gone. After getting knocked out that many times, who knows how that Mares fight would have happened if it had gone the distance. Right. You know what I mean? I mean, he hit a Hail Mary and knocked him out in the first round, so he didn't have to fight. Right. And then in his last fight, he didn't look all that great. That didn't tell me anything. But but look, okay, let's do the math. Sergio Martinez, you have a lot emotionally invested in Sergio Martinez because he's one of your favorite fighters. Yeah. Okay. And so it was a lot harder to take that loss, to see what happened to him. But the same thing happened last night. As a fan, it's hard to see it coming. You didn't want to see it coming. You didn't want to acknowledge it after that Martin Murray fight. No, you, didn't you want probably, to should have, probably should have started acknowledging it like <laughs> Matthew Macklin. Yeah, exactly. Or maybe the 12th round of the uh, Chavez fight. Yeah. Okay? When he, when, when he got injured and had to have surgery after the fight. Yep. Um, you didn't see it coming. You didn't want to see it coming. No. Okay? Johnny Gonzalez was a guy that he's he's the kind of fighter you want to respect, you know? The guy that 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 has earned respect through a very very decorated career. 
He's a shot fighter. The same exact thing. We should we should have saw it coming. He wasn't in the spotlight to see it coming. No. <sighs> this was a hand-picked opponent, man. Yeah, it, it surely seems that way. And, you know, they got it past me. Yeah. Well, good matchmaking. Cotto got Martinez at the right time. Mm. Hey, I'm a smaller guy. You'll probably beat me. Yeah. You know? I'm yeah. old, too, man. Don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah? And in this fight, it was. I mean, look, the right hook that initiated the first knockdown of the fight, the one that I think, just like in the Cotto fight, when... The first knockdown when he hit Sergio, the fight was over right there. Sergio admitted it after the fight. Yeah. He said he was disconnected from his legs. He never felt his legs for the rest of the fight. So he was in survival mode. The same thing happened here. They Dan Raphael was writing that it was straight lefts that did it. It was not a straight left that knocked him down. No. That first knockdown was a right hook. Oh, and short right hook. Short right hook. And what happened with that is that that punch would not have knocked down any other fighter. That punch hit him. In the mo- you can see it. It was like three seconds lapse from the point of contact on that punch where you can see the momentum. Not only does he get pushed over by Gary Williams, a literal push mm-hmm. after that punch, he's falling in the wrong direction. His legs give out from underneath him, and he trips over Russell's foot. Yep. That point, it was a slow digression of his legs were gone. They were spaghetti from that point on. Let's not pretend it was some eraser right hook, some Andy Lee right that knocked out Johnny Gonzalez. No punch that Russell threw in this fight seemed to me that devastating. I was confused at some points. We know Gary Russell. We've seen him fight before. He's not a guy that gets knockouts. He's had trouble knocking out way lesser fighters than Johnny Gonzalez. And Johnny Gonzalez is a tough guy. So, yeah, I mean, one little short right hook. Didn't have much on it. That just tells you right there. Gonzalez had nothing. He had nothing to offer. Those other knockdowns that ended up finishing the fight, right? They were in close quarters. It was basically like he was standing on two toothpicks and he was just, or two noodles, and he was wobbling and you could have blown on him and he would have fallen over. There was nothing devastating that happened in there. They were solid punches that landed. But I will say this. I didn't see more than, and maybe it's just the hand speed is just so fast, but I didn't see more than 10 punches landed before that knockout by Gary Russell. No, there was nothing. He didn't land anything anything significant. Every punch hit him in the gloves. It was like he was playing mitts with Gonzalez. Not a single punch was landing. Yeah, a lot of his jabs looked like to just be tapping Gonzalez's gloves. Yeah. I mean, not even he dude, he was he was probably 4 to 6 inches short on most of those punches. Hey, if you do it fast enough, it's like a Rocky movie, man. It looks like he hit him. <laughs> <laughs> Set the camera up at the right angle. Right. Put Adelaide Bird <laughs> Yeah, don't even start on her, man. (laughs) Oh, man. All right, let's give Russell some credit, okay? He deserves it. He deserves it. It was good matchmaking. I don't like this from the very beginning. It leaves a sour taste in my mouth the whole way that this thing was consummated. I don't blame Gary Russell for for the way that this was set up. No. Okay, you can't blame him at all. He went out and did his job, won the belt. Congratulations to Gary Russell Jr. My point is here is that Bob Arum should have nipped this in the butt, okay? They should have overpaid Johnny Gonzalez and got him in the ring with Nicholas Walters or Vasil Lomachenko and completely nipped this in the ass. Yeah, to to eliminate the the farce of the PBC holding the WBC belt. Yeah, I I completely agree with that. And he dropped the ball and failed the top rank side of the fence, failed Vasily Lomachenko and Nicholas Walters because I can tell you right now, both of them would have done the same thing. And 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 who knows? It could have been a lot uglier if that was Walters in the ring. We could have flatlined him in the second round. Aram and, and DeBuff better get their, their heads out of their asses real quick and, and figure out what's going on around them. It's not 1971 anymore. No. Okay, you can't behave, can't run off that same model because now what's going to happen is this. You have Gary Russell Jr. is going to be fighting against 126-pounders in the PBC. What are the 126-pounders in the PBC? They are slow and Mexican. Yep. Okay? And they are Johnny Gonzalez, eight years younger. Exactly. Exactly what they are. And Gary Russell is going to reign with that belt in the PBC. He says he wants a rematch against Lomachenko. Yeah. Mm, Right. That might be six, seven years down the road. That will never happen. If they were smart, they won't do it. It'll never happen. Yeah, I just feel like Aram had a chance. They could have fought Johnny Gonzalez and paid him to do it. And instead, Al Heyman probably overpaid Gonzalez a little bit, got him in the ring in this fight, and you know what? It, in the rest is history. Russell did his job, though. Yeah, you, you got to give the guy credit. He, whether Gonzo was shot or not, he finished him in four rounds. He made quick work of him. He did, he did. 
So Gary Russell Jr. is the new WBC featherweight champion of the world. Now let's go to this undercard. Jermel Charlo versus Vanis Martirosian. What do you think about the fight? Uh, Kind of it's just a blah fight, man. There was not much action. A lot of jabbing from Charlo. Martirosian didn't even land that many big shots. He tried, at least tried to force the pressure. It, there's something about a Charlo fight, man, that's just very unappealing to the eye. I don't, I don't know what it is. I'll tell you what it is. It's called a one-two. Yeah. One-two run. It's called the Ronnie Shields School of Boxing. Well, at least Ronnie Shields, was in, after the first, second round, was like, son, you can't run and pitter-patter on the outside. I think he learned that from the Laura Canelo fight. Yeah, you're going to lose. You're going to lose on a scorecard. You fight that way. Apparently, you're not in this fight, though. Come on, man. Steve Kim said it best. He said, well, the two Watson brothers are in the in Jermel Charlo's corner, so that means, because apparently there's some... Some people have been keeping track of it. If the Watson brothers are in your corner, they win like 95% of the time. No, not, not surprising at all. Look, you know how I am as a boxing fan. If this was Charlo versus some bum, I wouldn't have watched the fight. No. I wouldn't have watched the fight because Charlo is sleep-inducing. One of the most boring fighters on the planet. Uh, he's as vanilla as they come. I can go the rest of my life without seeing him fight again. I, I mean, I really could. Unless he's going to get in the ring with somebody like Canelo that's going to make him pay. Right. Okay? Or Cotto or somebody of that you know, of uh, cut from that cloth. Um, as the fight was going on, like the first four or five rounds, I became pretty intrigued. And you know the kind of fights that I like to watch. This isn't really my style, but it became a chess match. I was kind of intrigued at the back and forth mm-hmm. because there was some good strategy being employed by both fighters. I think Vanis Martirosian forced Charlo's hand to sort of change it up and show some diversity. You know, and early in the fight, I felt Charlo looked completely out of his element. He didn't know how to respond. He was like, what is going on here? Every time I jab, I get hit. Yeah, yeah. Marty Rosie was timing him nice with right hands. How did you score this fight? I scored for Marty Rosie in the first four rounds. All four of the first four rounds. The next three, I gave to Charlo. And then finished the fight with Marty Rosie winning the last two rounds. So I felt like he won the fight pretty easily. The fact that you could score that that wide for Charlo on, on, on the 97, 94 card, get her the hell out of here, man. I, I'm so tired. Seven of, rounds to three. I'm so tired of seeing her scorecards. They are always, you, you, you're looking at them going, what the hell is this lady watching? Well, I, I don't get it, man. Get rid of her, please. They need to do themselves a favor and like st- take some of that money instead of putting it in their pockets and going on another vacation. The Nevada state boxing commission they should have a school mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying where people can try to do this for a living just like that you know there is a progression just like in every other sport how referees make it my father has a friend scott foster okay who's arguably the number one referee in the nba okay mm-hmm. scott foster became famous for the shoving incident with magic johnson back in the 90s all right scott and my father went to high school together all right post high school played softball together scott was a high school basketball referee then he became a college basketball referee then he became a professional basketball referee he has worked through their grading system to being considered the number one referee in the nba he does all the finals games he's in all the big games there's there's nothing like that for boxing it's the same dinosaurs it's these 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 dinosaurs that just sit there and I don't know, man. They're like, everybody's 80. Uh, it looked like Adelaide Bird at times during that fight looked like she was falling asleep, leaning on the ring. <laughs> I'm being dead serious. I implore you to go back and look at her. I was following her eyes. She was watching Charlo the whole fight. Yeah. And the, what's going to happen? You can't stare at one fighter. Stare at the action. You don't watch a guy. You watch the fight. Yeah. And if you get caught watching a guy, yeah, of course, you're only going to see what he does. I scored this fight so close to what you scored it, dude. I thought I was crazy while I was scoring it. No. Because I knew that something was going to go wrong. When I saw Steve Farhood's card, I was like, okay, somebody gave him the memo of exactly how this fight is going to be scored. They must have gave him a copy of Adelaide Bird's scorecard um, before the fight. Mm -hmm. I gave the first round to Charlo, okay? I gave the next four rounds to to Mm Martirosian. So very similar to your card right there. Then I gave the next two to Charlo, six and seven. Then it went back and forth for me from 8, 9, 10. Vanus, Charlo, Vanus. 
Vaughn has clearly won that last round. Oh, it's not even close. Clearly. And the fact that there was a scorecard that gave that round to Charlo, I don't get it. We can sit here and, and scratch our heads about it. This wasn't that big of a controversy because we knew who the house fighter was, who had the most upside, who they wanted to win. Yep. It's more marketable to have undefeated twins. You know what I mean? Like, we, we get the agenda here. Right. I'll tell you right now, Vanis Martirosian is a better fighter. Oh, not even close. I, I felt like Charlo basically he did what he had to do, which is very minimal work to a guy that he was scared to fight. You could you could just tell he wanted no part of actually letting his hands go and trading with Martirosian at all. No. I think what what saved Charlo in this fight was Vanis's his lack of power. Yeah. Really, you know what I mean? For being billed as a guy that's a heavy hitter, he really has kind of lacked that here lately. Well, and the thing is, though, his last fight against Willie Nelson, he was more of a bruiser and a banger. You know, this that was the fight right after Dan Goosen passed away, and him and Joe Goosen. This was the fight dedicated to, mm-hmm. you know, so there was a, a you know, there was a, a hunger and a, you know, there was some dog in him and yeah. purpose. Yeah, you know? emotional drive that night. Absolutely. And in this fight, no Joe Goosen in the corner. He boxed. Mm-hmm. He came out and he boxed. That being said, Vin, he outboxed Charlo. I thought he did too. He countered Charlo and timed him all night as far as I'm concerned. The House Heyman fighters win. My card, 96-94 for Vonis. Vince's as well. The judges scored it 97-93 and 96-94 times two. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Okay. Um, Nomino Donaire returned to the ring against William Prado in the Philippines. Donaire... Won the fight by way of second-round TKO. If this is what Donaire is going to be doing for the rest of his career, then he can stay over in the Philippines. Yeah, is this a farewell tour for him? I I don't know. I don't care to see him fight these guys. I think that somebody from top rank swiped the the copy of Abner Mares's uh, handbook, how to piecemeal uh, <laughs> you know a shot fighter's career. Again. Right. Um, Donaire caught Prado with a left uppercut with two minutes left in the second round, and this was the confusing part to me. Prado didn't throw another punch for a minute and 20 seconds. I, went, I watched this over and over again a couple times this morning before the show, and there, a minute and 20 seconds went by, and Donaire teed off on this guy, mutilated his face. The referee looked to be about 95 years old, at least, mm-hmm. with a really, really shitty dye job. Like one of those ones where you mean to dye it brown, but it ends up coming out because your hair's so white it comes out neon orange. <laughs> the guy was so old he couldn't stop the fight. He tried to jump in, but couldn't. He couldn't move fast. He looked like he needed a walker. This guy was so old. He finally jumped in. Eh, I'm gonna say about eighty seconds with no punch from this wow. guy Prado. Right? He was about seventy seconds too late in stopping this yeah. fight. You you give a, a fighter about 20, 20, 20, 25 seconds to start throwing a punch. If he's not willing to defend himself, you got to get in there, man. I, I don't want to hear about Donaire. Oh, he's in shape. He's dedicated now. If he's dedicated in shape now, why the hell is he in the Philippines fighting William Prado? Yeah, he's he's milking that thing for as much as he can get it before he's out the door. You know what? If that's what he wants to do, if he can make the most money being a star. Uh, Twilight star in the Philippines, you know, boxing his way through his thirties against a bunch of bums, basically being a circus sideshow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> then do it. Yeah, I, I don't, don't care. I don't care either. I'm not going to pay attention. All right, that does it for the fights that we're going to talk about from this past Saturday night, this past weekend. Now we move towards the first weekend in April. Okay, I want to talk about first and foremost because it's the you know it's a fighter that intrigues me probably the most. Anthony Joshua returns to the ring against Jason Gavin, coming off of a four-month layoff due to a bad back. Last time we saw Jason Gavin was on a YouTube video in an untelevised fight against Deontay Wilder, uh, a fight that he was knocked out in. It was kind of a joke of a fight. Honestly, I can kind of understand why it wasn't televised. A little concerning that a top heavyweight prospect wasn't in a televised fight. That's how much of a mismatch this was. And in my opinion, Anthony Joshua is far more a wrecking ball than Deontay Wilder is. This one is going to be ugly, but we know that it's a tune-up fight for Joshua's next fight, which is already scheduled, on the May 30th undercard of Yevgeny Gradovich versus Lee Selby as Gradovich defends his featherweight belt 
and Jorge Linares defends his belt against Kevin Mitchell. A big fight card in London. Joshua is on the undercard. This is just a mere tune-up fight to get re-familiarized with, uh, I guess, how to tape his hands up, put his gloves on. Knocking motherfuckers <laughs> out. <laughs> Little TKFO. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so Anthony Joshua, you excited to see him back in the ring? Yeah, of course. I mean, obviously, like you said, it's kind of a stand-em-up, knock-em-down opponent, but it, it's just to get him back going off his injury and let's let's get this train headed down the track like it was before. Yeah, yeah, this one is definitely uh, is just a is just a warm up fight for sure. I think this is pretty much just to test out where his back is. Yeah, I mean, yeah. eight week turnaround to your next fight—that's really quick. Yeah, no, it is. So, on the same weekend, the same evening, the PBC debuts on CBS. The main event of this card is Adonis Stevenson versus Saki Obika. Vin, let me just put it pretty bluntly: I don't give a rat's ass about this fight. I don't want to preview it. All I want to say is this. Saki Obika has never fought at light heavyweight. He's old his entire career. The last, I guess, 10 or dozen fights that he's been in have all been at super middleweight. He's not a big super middleweight. No. Okay? This opponent is put here to be propped up in front of a coward, in front of a fighter with a glass jaw, a one-trick pony with one punch, he is being put in front of Adonis Stevenson to be knocked out. And again, this is part of the narrative. They're trying to legitimize this fight by they're going to pump Bika up as the former WBC super middleweight champion. I <laughs> couldn't even win the contender six, whatever, 10 years ago. Unbelievable, man. This, yeah. this is a shit show. It is. Okay. I have no interest in watching this fight. Adonis Stevenson. Let me just put it plainly. Get your ass in the ring against the crusher Kovalev. Until you do that, dude, you're non-existent. You're a non-starter. Who cares about this fight? All right? They issued the mandatory now, right? Yeah, the WBC issued the mandatory, which is strange because of the fact that Kovalev is champion of the other three major governing bodies. Hey, the, the WBC knows when money's to be made. They'll, they'll, they'll see it and they'll get it. Oh, absolutely. You saw after the last, after the uh, Triple G Murray fight. Yep. Man, it wasn't, a, as, soon as, that, as soon as that fight was stopped, Friggin' the representative from the WBC was throwing a T-shirt on, on Triple G. <laughs> you know, they wanted to make sure that was the first thing that happened. Yeah, no, I and mean, I think they see Stevenson as a, as a fraud, too. Yeah. You know, he's a, he's a protected fighter who they think, I think the PBC genuinely thinks that this guy is like some kind of, of uh, I don't know, like he's an attraction or something. This guy had 300,000 people watch his last fight. 300,000 that is horrible. Yeah, that's terrible. Now, the PBC, Ken, they have a whole new fan base to introduce this guy to. So we, they're going to show him, they're going to show that fan base, hey, look at this beast of a 37-year-old man that just is mowing through guys. Do you think in the, the lead-up documentary profiling Adonis Stevenson, they're going to talk about how he used to be a pimp and how he used to be an enforcer for hookers and prostitutes? I, I think that's going to be a part of it? I wonder how many uh, bitch slaps he's had in his life. Unbelievable. Yeah, let's go put him on a liberal television station. Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> Unbelievable, man. The, the, those executives have no idea what the backgrounds of these guys that are on their station. Come on, man. man. The executive is Steven Espinosa. He's the one that has to do with this. The guy freaking had his they were he was arm in arm with Justin Bieber yeah. at the freaking Mayweather Pacquiao press conference, man. What a freaking joke, man. Did you see him last night going back and forth with Oscar De La Hoya on Twitter? No, I did not. Just being a childish this guy's supposed to be professional, supposed to be an executive. Okay? Hangs out with Justin Bieber. Dude, he's a f***ing clown, man. He's a rat. He's a rat. You're exactly right. He's a little little shit with a Napoleon complex. Yep. Oh, man. Steven Espinoza, man. Come on. Yeah. Come on. Get your head out of your ass. <laughs> but what does intrigue me about this, and I don't know if it'll be on the main CBS card or if this will be on CBS Sportsnet at some point around the main event, there are two guys on this two-of-hour top five prospects in boxing, in Artur Beterpiev and J-Rock Julian Williams. Now, this excites me. And as soon as these two fights are over, <laughs> night-night. Tuning out? I'm going to bed. <laughs> oh, actually, it's 4 o'clock in the afternoon fight card. <laughs> You're going to take a nap. I'm going to dinner. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to take a nap and go to dinner and go to a movie and come back and go to bed. I'm not watching the Stevenson fight. I, I don't blame you. I'm, I'm going to watch... But uh, I have absolutely no interest. I got no, there's nothing. 
right now for me that's like oh, i can't wait can't wait to see this gotta, gotta see it yeah yeah um arthur beterbiev squares off against gabriel campillo formerly of the maravilla boxing camp sergio martinez used to be his manager he's now under the i guess the i don't know you can't say tutelage you can't say direction under the jedi mind tricks of al Heyman. This is a big test. This is a gatekeeper fight for Arthur Beterbiev. This will be by far the best fighter he's been in the ring with. Yeah. I mean, Campio at this point in his career is nothing but a stepping stone. That's it. But he is a tough fighter, a veteran fighter that knows the ropes and can fight with anybody that he wants to fight with. It, there's nobody that's going to completely outclass Gabriel Campio. He, he is a solid fighter from top to bottom and Beterbiev going to have to show us some different things to beat this guy i'm predicting an eighth round stoppage i'd like to see him get pushed to eight rounds we we need to see better be of get pushed it's going to just depend on what level where if campy is a shot fighter or he's just an old fighter right if he's just an old fighter i think this could go the distance mm-hmm. okay but if he if, if it ends up that this is literally what we just saw in the russell uh, gonzalez fight where he doesn't have legs underneath him anymore they brought him over here just to put in front of better be of um, yeah, I think, I think Campillo will push him. This is, I mean, look, Tavoris Cloud was, you know, that fight may have been an aberration. Who knows? Maybe, who knows? Maybe better BF takes that one step forward and knocks him out. Yeah. You know, what's your prediction for the fight? I got it at KO3 for better BF. KO3. So now we move into the most intriguing prospect on this card. Better BF's a long way to go. Yes. Long way to go. Yes, he does. Julian J. Rock Williams. Okay. One of my favorite fighters on the planet. And all skill sets aside, let's be completely honest here, man. He has every tool that you want out of a young fighter. There's no doubt about it. He has a unique style, the way he shoots in and out of the pocket. You can tell this guy does a lot of rope work, does a lot of bobbing and weaving, the way he comes in and out against the fighter, the way he gets inside on the fighter, the way that he moves and attacks from angles and will spin his fighter all the way around. Sometimes he fights from a low, wide, wide-footed, concrete foundation of a stance, attacks from all angles, and is as well-rounded a fighter as you're going to find at 24 years old, period. He's, he's poised. He's calculated. He's just he's wise beyond his years as a 24-year-old in a ring, and he's something special. I, if you have not seen this guy fight, please tune in early. You do not want to miss this guy. He is going to be making noise at 154 and 160 over the course of the next two, three years and be one of the top fighters in both of those divisions. I think we've got a good decade run with this guy. I, I hope so. I really do. Because all those skills aside, all, that, all, all the things that he does well in the ring, the thing that impresses me the most about the 24-year-old from Philadelphia is his attitude. Mm-hmm. He is as focused a young man as you will ever find in training, and inside the ring. This guy is calculated, he's determined, he's hungry. He approaches the sport wanting to be one of the greats of all time. Absolutely. That's what it looks like anyways. I don't know him personally, but it seems to me like this guy puts his life into the sport. It shows in the ring. Mm -hmm. This guy's business. That's what I love about him. He is business. He's not there to make sound effects. He's not there to flash. He's there to break you down. And that's exactly what he's going to do to old Joey Twinkle Fingers Hernandez. <laughs> What's your prediction for <laughs> Twinkle Fingers? Come on, man. That's not, that is not real. I, somebody has to have access to box rec and has to be messing with us, man. Seriously. Twinkle Either Fingers? I, I just wanted to say it. <laughs> twinkle Fingers. I, I'm going to say that uh, J-Rock handles this kid uh, inside six rounds. Yeah, I agree. I'm going with the fifth round TKO. Julian Williams is as good as they come, man. Yeah. This is the most exciting part about this about this card. Honestly, for boxing fans to tune into this, because I think that this is going to do a fraction of the numbers that the PBC on NBC does. Oh, 3 o'clock on a Saturday? Come on. Yeah, yeah. dude. And the fact that Adonis Stevens, and, and that fight is such a f***ing sham. Yeah, it, it is. It is such a joke. Putting better BF in Julian Williams keeps us tuned in. Exactly. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. The diehard boxing fan tuned in. So it's an interesting card that just takes a gigantic dump right on our chests right at the end. I'd say that's about the perfect way to call it. Yep, absolutely. All right, big knockout boxing makes its return. Middleweight champion King Gabe Rosado 
a fan favorite, one of our favorites for sure, returns to the ring against Curtis Stevens to defend his middleweight BKB belt inside the pit. 17-foot circle, no way out. <laughs> no way out. Dragons <laughs> in flames. <laughs> hey, man, this is going to be an entertaining fight. Absolutely. If it was for free, I'd watch it. I'm not paying for it. I'll check it out a couple days later. I think they really screwed the pooch on this one. The last one, I think, was like 25 bucks. This one's 40 Oh, come on. Really? Yeah, it's 40 bucks. I'm watching it the next morning. I told you in a previous episode or two ago, I said, hey, man, come over here. We'll watch it over here. You know, I thought it was going to be 20 bucks. No, nah, 40 bucks for that? Come on, man. And, and here's the thing is that they're not even paying these guys that well. They're paying them like 100 grand. That, Are you, that, you kidding that's me? A, that's a money grab right there. It's buddy. a ripoff. Yeah. You're going to pay your fighters $100,000? With a knockout bonus, in a small like a fifty thousand dollar knockout, so you have a potential to make. I think Rosado in the last fight only made ninety thousand dollars. That's horseshit, man. You're gonna charge me forty bucks for that? Yeah, no. I, I'll watch it. I'll, I'll, I'm, I'm with you, man. I'm watching it the next morning for sure. How do you like this fight? I mean, look, there will be blood in this <laughs> fight. Rosado and Stevens are gonna throw down without a doubt. Uh, there's no there's no chance this fight lasts seven rounds. I think Curtis Stevens might get him. Do you? Yeah. Okay, so you're going to predict a knockout by I'm, Stevens? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to predict a knockout by Stevens, yeah, fifth or sixth round. Yeah. Um, I'm going to take Rosado. Are you? Yeah, I am. I just I don't, have a, I don't have a good taste in my mouth about Stevens. I, I respect his toughness. I respect his grit. I just He's a little out there. Yeah. You know what I mean? He's got a bit of a, a chip on his shoulder that's kind of like uh, – comes off with an attitude it's like dude it's almost like a jealousy chip though chill chill out dude you're you've been knocked out by the best okay we, yeah you don't have to sit here and tell me that you're a badass <laughs> yeah i don't know i just like Rosado. i mean if 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 this is the pit and you know Rosado can't bleed out in the ring <laughs> you know because he's he, dude he's prone to get cut yeah you know what i'm saying he's prone to get cut it's gonna be a big size mismatch in this fight yeah Rosado's sure. considerably bigger yeah you know so, yeah, it'll be interesting. We'll check it out on YouTube the next morning and maybe talk about it for a minute on next week's show. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> All right. So real quick before we leave you on episode 44 of The Tale of the Tape, Golden Boy returns for its second edition of the L.A. Fight Club from the Blasco Theater in Los Angeles. This is one of the coolest setups that I've seen in boxing in, in a year or two. Um, the Blasco Theater literally has the balcony seating like hanging over the ring it is small. It is intimate. The fight with Jojo Diaz a few weeks back. Oh, just a great, great buzz. They had AC Slater from Full House announcing the fight. <laughs> yeah, he, he, he wasn't bad. Watching Diaz in the ring was the exciting part. Right. We get another young prospect. As highly touted, maybe even more highly touted. At 13-0 with eight knockouts, Julian Ramirez returns to the ring to square off against Raul Hidalgo in the main event of this LA Fight Club series. Julian Ramirez excites me in the same way that his namesake, Julian J-Rock Williams, does. Ramirez is cut from a similar mold and some would say some very similar styles. And younger to boot. I mean, 22 years old and to to incorporate the attack and the style that he brings in the ring is is very, very impressive, man. Yeah, dude. It is a veteran style. Yeah. It is a style that makes you know that this guy is meant to be a champion. Mm -hmm. Because if you're that good and that polished, 13 fights into it at 22 years old, imagine this guy at 22, 23, 24 fights. He's not even a man yet. He's, no. He's barely, barely a man if he is one. His wide stance, squatty attack, he ducks under everything the opponent throws, and he will shoot his punches from all angles. He encroaches, he retreats, he spins circles. Dude, he... Uh, he got, hammers the body. He does uh, everything. Yeah, yeah, the body attack is 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 impressive. Very, very impressive. The the lead left jab. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not even so much a feeler jab. He kind of darts it out there with menace. Very much in the same regard as a George Groves and attacking jab. Mm -hmm. Really, really excited about Julian Ramirez. This will be an exciting show, which takes place this Thursday night on Fox Sports One. That's a good start to the weekend, right there, buddy. Absolutely. For sure. So be sure to tune in to Fox Sports 1 for the LA Fight Club Series brought to you by Golden Boy. Julian Ramirez will not disappoint you. will become a fan of him for sure. He's one of the great, great young names in boxing. 
So that'll do it for episode 44. We look forward into the, the schedule. We have some new additions added on May 23rd from Boston, Massachusetts. James DeGale, the number four rated super middleweight by the ring, squares off against the number eight rated super middleweight for the vacant IBF strap vacated by the Cobra Carl Frotch against Andre Durrell. DeGale Durrell, May 23rd from Boston. Can't wait. That's going to be an awesome, yeah. awesome fight. For the American fight fans that listen to this show, you may not know who DeGale is. Know this. He's an Olympic gold medalist. He is a polished, shiny pedigree of a fighter. He is awkward, he is strong, and he is fast. He is no joke, buddy. Yeah, Absolutely no joke. no joke. So we'll be back next week with episode 45 as we do the post fights for everything that we just previewed. And we will be previewing the second fight card from the PBC on NBC as Danny Garcia returns to the ring to square off against Lamont Peterson. Andy Lee squares off against Peter Quillen. On the same evening from San Juan, Puerto Rico, in a fight, probably the fight that I'm most excited about as far as an action fight is concerned, Orlando Salido squares off against Roman Martinez. What do you think about that? That's going to be a hell of a fight. Uh, we got to pay to watch it, though. That's fine. I will pay-per-view for that fight for what, sure. What did they put that at, 30? I haven't checked my cable box yet, but I will be sure to check it. So we'll preview the PBC on NBC. And also, Salido versus Martinez from San Juan, Puerto Rico. This kicks off a long chain of events of fight after fight after fight that takes us into the summer. Looking better, forward to it? Better free up your Saturday nights, folks. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, that'll do it for episode 44, my friend. All righty. So, until next week on episode 45 of The Tale of the Tape, be sure to drop by theboxingrant.com for all the archived episodes of The Tale of the Tape and The Rant. For my co-host, Vince Cummings, who you can follow on Twitter at VinceCummings81. I'm your host, Kenny Keith of TheBoxingRant.com, and you can follow me on Twitter at Kenny Keith Jr. So until next week, thank you for tuning in once again to the Tale of the Tape Boxing Podcast here on TheBoxingRant.com. <laughs>